0: translation shalakaya yena tasmai sri Translation: Krishna consciousness means constantly associating with the Supreme Personality of Godhead in such a mental state that the devotee can observe the cosmic manifestation exactly as the Supreme Personality of Godhead does. Sub- such observation is not always possible but it becomes manifest exactly like the dark planet known as Rahu, which is observed in the presence of the full moon. It has been explained in the previous verse that all desires on the mental platform become visible one after another. Sometimes, however, by the supreme will of the supreme personality of Godhead, the whole stockpile can be visible all at one time. In Brahma Sanghita, it is said, Karmani Nirdahati Kintu bhakti Bhajam. When a person is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, his stockpile of material desires is minimized. Indeed, the desires no longer fructify in the form of gross bodies. Instead, the stockpile of desires become visible, becomes visible on the mental platform by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In this connection, the darkness occurring before the full moon, the lunar eclipse, can be explained as being another planet known as Rahu. According to Vedic astronomy, the Rahu planet, which is not visible, is accepted. Sometimes the Rahu planet is visible in the presence of full moonlight it then appears that this Rahu planet exists somewhere near the orbit of the moon. The failure of modern moon excursionists may be due to the Rahu planet. In other words, those who are supposed to be going to the moon may actually be going to this invisible planet Rahu. Actually, they are not going to the moon, but to the planet Rahu. And after reaching this planet, they come back. Apart from this discussion, the point is that a living entity has immense and unlimited desires for material enjoyment, and he has to transmigrate from one gross body to another until these desires are exhausted. No living entity is free from the cycle of birth and death unless he takes to Krishna consciousness. Therefore, in this verse, it is clearly stated, Sadvaika nishthe, that when one is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, in one stroke, he is freed of past and future mental desires. Then by the grace of the Supreme Lord, everything becomes simultaneously manifest within the mind. In this regard, Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur cites the example of Madhya Shoda, seeing the whole cosmic manifestation within the mouth of Lord Krishna. By the grace of Lord Krishna, Mother Yashoda saw all the universes and planets within the mouth of Krishna. Similarly, by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, a Krishna conscious person can see all his dormant desires at one time and finish all his future transmigrations. This facility is especially given to the devotee to make his path clear for returning home back to Godhead. Why we see things not experienced in this life is is explained herein. That which we see is the future expression of a gross body or is already stocked in our mental stockpile. Because a Krishna conscious person does not have to accept a future gross body, his recorded desires are fulfilled in a dream. We therefore sometimes find things in a dream. Never experienced in our present life. There's so much in this verse and purport. I think we could have a year's a year's lecture on this verse. What does this mean, Maharaj? Five classes. Five classes. All right. Well, I'll try and discuss some of these points. But actually, there's there's so much. In Srila Prabhupada's purports, there's ample material for philosophers, and in this section, particularly for psychologists and theologists and scientists and all kinds of thinkers to be busy with for 10,000 years at least. In this verse, there's a transition from the previously discussed situation in the, in the previous verses has been discussed the situation of the mind of a conditioned soul and now it's being described the situation of the mind of a pure devotee of Krishna What is the difference? The mind is not that, not that there is no mind, that is not possible. There is one so-called ashram of one so-called guru, not just guru, he became self-anointed Bhagavan and then died of AIDS, this so-called Osho. At his ashram in Pune they used to have, I don't know now, but at the gate they used to have a sign. Choose and minds to be left outside. Don't bring your mind in here, because if anyone has any mind, they can understand this is totally bogus. So better don't bring your mind... Well, that's not their intention. Their idea is that... I don't know what their idea is, but I can guess that... Their idea is that beyond the mind there is the state of Osho consciousness whatever they want to call it That it's a higher level of, or, or maybe there's no, anyway it's all nonsense, whatever it is but there's no question of not having a mind but what is the activity of the mind, the mind in the conditioned state perceives the cosmic manifestation and the mind of a pure devotee also perceives the cosmic manifestation. The mayavadis of which this Osho, just to give an example, not that he's very significant, but he's a neo mayavadi or the the ultimate result of mayavad in denying the existence of anything except Brahman. Satyam jagan mithya, they see the cosmic manifestation as false. So the ultimate result of that, as Sri Madhvacharya predicted, is that this Mayavad will lead to the destruction of dharma. Even the worldly dharma, which is not a very high platform, not Krishna states at the end of Bhagavad Gita too, Give that up. sarva dhaman mame kam raja But still that platform is required, the platform of dharma, which includes many considerations, including basic morality. But that, Madhavacharya predicted, will be destroyed by Mayavad. And it, uh, dharma also means... Uh, consideration of religious principles. Consideration means one should consider what is right and what is wrong according to the edicts of Shastra. Janana Vidura Suraha Those who are demons, they do not consider what is right and what is wrong because they reject Shastra. So, Mayavadis, in the name of following the Shastra actually reject it by rejecting its purport and then uh, ultimately one comes to the platform of this rascaldom in which uh, high sounding words and the actual activity of Osho is very well known it's uh, nothing different from anything else that goes on in the material world except they're totally unabashed about it uh, sex that's the of course, he would say that, well, you have to, his, his so-called philosophy is that, well, you do it to rise above it. That's tantrism. There, The idea that you do it and then you rise above well, it. Well, I'm doing it, but I'm not really doing it. I'm just, because I don't have any mind, so the mind is not involved, and I'm just doing it, but I'm detached from it. But that is not dharma. In dharma, Varnashram dharma is particularly for all these uh, rules and regulations and organization of Varnasham dharma is meant to help one to come to the higher consciousness which begins with overcoming sexual consciousness so in Vedic culture sex is restricted highly restricted but the demons, they don't like to observe this. That is the difference between a saintly person and the demon. So how does the... Wh- what is the difference between a devotee and a non-devotee? The devotee sees the cosmic manifestation. He doesn't pretend that it doesn't exist. But he sees it as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sees it, or with the same vision as the Supreme Lord. As Whereas the non-devotee Sees it as a place for his own enjoyment. A devotee, non-devotees, this is, uh, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur used the words Jagat Darshan and Golok Darshan. Jagat Darshan means to see the world with the consciousness Ishvara Bhogi I am the Lord of all that I survey. I am the enjoyer. Everything here is meant for my enjoyment. And a devotee sees that everything in the world is paraphernalia for serving Krishna. That is the difference. Uh, non-devotee sees a beautiful woman and thinks, that's for my enjoyment. A devotee sees the body of a beautiful woman and or sees sees that body and thinks that, well, actually this body, uh, it appears beautiful, but it's not the actual it's a perverted reflection of the beauty of Srimati Radharani but within that body suffering from the misconception of being a beautiful woman is a pure spirit soul who is meant to serve Krishna that is the vision of a devotee so a devotee he has this vision and in this way he observes the cosmic manifestation exactly as the Supreme Personality of Godhead does Exactly means, yeah, he sees everything. He, as Krishna sees and explains that this uh, material world is a manifestation of Krishna's energy. It is a. Uh, yeah, it's a man. It's a separated. Nothing in the, It's a separated energy, but it's not. It's still Krishna's energy. It's not intrinsically separate from Krishna. This Achintya uh, Bheda Bheda, how this material world, it is separate from Krishna, but not separate from him simultaneously. By his potency, he is within the world, but not within it. Mayatitamidang sarvam jagadavyaktam murti sarva sarvabhutani na chaham Everything that is within the world and the whole world is nothing but a manifestation of Krishna's energy. He, he's a, he fully pervades it and supports it. Yet he is simultaneously aloof from it. So this achintya bheda-bhed. This is right there in Bhagavad Gita. So this is how a devotee sees. Of course, there, there is a difference in how he sees the world. There, there is a slight difference. Uh, it, it's very major from the perspective of uh, he, he sees it as the Supreme Lord sees it this is Krishna's energy Krishna sees this is my energy this is meant for Krishna's service so in that way he sees it exactly as the Supreme Lord does but the difference is that Krishna sees that this is my energy and the devotee sees this is Krishna's energy I am part of that energy I am meant for serving Krishna whereas Krishna sees everything this is meant for my service this is the psychology of a pure devotee. Now some points in here, uh, there, like I said, it, it requires a lot of discussion, more than we have time for here. The uh, psychology of a pure devotee is explained in this verse giving an analogy. It's, it's interesting, the analogy is Of the dark planet known as Rahu one cannot see normally Rahu cannot be seen because Rahu is described here as tamaha as darkness so one cannot actually you can't see darkness it's not possible to see darkness but the dark planet Rahu can be seen when it covers the moon then it, then it becomes manifest otherwise its nature is that it's invisible so it's interesting that this analogy is given because an analogy is given, why is an analogy given to make c- clear a, uh, a, a difficult concept by comparing it to something which is uh, well known and easily understood Now, in 21st century culture throughout the world, the uh, understanding of Rahu covering the moon is not commonly understood. Srila Prabhupada often gave analogies that when he came to the West, he invented a series of analogies that would help people to understand the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, or he adapted traditional Vedic analogies so that Western people could understand. Just like the traditional analogy, it's actually from the Upanishads, of the soul, the embodied soul, being like a, uh, a passenger on a chariot. So Śrīla Prabhupāda gave the example of the, of the car and the driver. The car is not the person; it's simply a vehicle, and the the driver in the car is the actual person in this analogy. So, to take that analogy further, the the body is simply a vehicle, and the soul is the uh, within the vehicle. Actually, that example is uh, elaborately explained in the Upanishads, and Lord Krishna also mentions that in Bhagavad Gita. So, uh, Prabhupada, for analogy, for an analogy to be useful, it has to be the uh, point of reference that that has to be instantly and easily understood. If one has to explain the analogy, then it's not very useful as an analogy. But this is being used as an analogy. It's uh, understood that by Narad Muni that Maharaj Prach- Prachina Barhishad can understand this example. It's been explained to him when, as a child, when he saw, when Prachina Bharishat Maharaj saw the what we call a lunar eclipse, it must have been explained to him that this is a, the dark planet Rahu which is covering the moon. So it's understood by everyone in Vedic culture. And it's accepted unquestioningly just like in the modern age it's unquestioningly accepted that a, uh, an eclipse is either this uh, this either the earth going between the uh, uh, the earth's shadow falls how, how does that go? which is that? that's the the lunar eclipse is the earth's shadow it's said to be falling on the moon this is the modern insight, uh Explanation of an eclipse. And a solar eclipse is when the moon comes between the uh, orbit of the sun and the earth and blots out the vision of the sun. So that's, everyone accepts that. I hope I got it right. But uh, it's accepted as, as an axi- axiomatically. But in Vedic culture, there's a different explanation. So we can see that it was uh, the very fact that Narad Muni uses this as an analogy shows that it was fully accepted in Vedic culture. And the, because he's using it as an analogy of how a pure devotee sees everything, but sees everything as Krishna sees it. Now, that may not be always obvious to. Everyone, one may think that a pure devotee is just like a materialist, because he may talk in the same way as a materialistic person talks, or acts in the same way. Uh, in many ways, that a materialistic person acts, just like uh, there was a, an editorial on a devotee website. I don't know if it's still up there as the editorial, as the main editorial, but it was. Uh, poking fun at sannyasis for having laptop computers and iPods and things like that. So to a materialistic person, it might appear that if a sannyasi has these things, well, he's just a materialist, because that's the kind of thing that materialistic people like. Uh, but it's hoped that the sannyasis of Iskon who are using these things, Do so in the same spirit that Srila Phaktisidan Sarat Thakur and our own Srila Prabhupada also used the latest technology available to them at the time unabashedly because they saw everything in this world as paraphernalia for serving Krishna. And they didn't think that now I need a, a laptop computer for my sense gratification, but they thought that we have to use this for our service to Krishna. So to a materialistic person it might appear that if uh, two sannyasis are talking about the latest computer and which is the best one to get, they might think, well, they're just, just another materialist. They're interested in computers like everyone else. But then you have to see what they're using it for. So, this consciousness, yeah, the, the principle of yukta vairagya, the, uh, the neophyte or, or improper understanding of vairagya or renunciation is that one should. Give up everything. But that supposed renunciation is rejected, it's renounced by Rupa Goswami Prabhupada as falgu vairagya or meaningless vairagya. Because one who fails to see the relationship of everything within this world with Hari, Hari Sambandha Vastuni, he thinks that, well, everything should be given up. We, we, the, we're not part of this world, Uh, We should be spiritual, and spiritual means giving everything up. But this vairagya, which is desired by the mumukshu, those who are desirous of liberation from this world, that vairagya is called phalgu, or very light, or meaningless, or useless. Because, for a start, we can't give anything up. If you want to give everything up, well, you have to give up your body too, you have to give up breathing don't use the air you're going to i'm giving up everything and going to the forest I, but in the forest you also you're also breathing so stop breathing if you really want to give up everything it's also material the air is also material so the what is to be given up is the perverted sense of ownership that i have anything to we don't have anything to give up anyway because nothing belongs to us and the idea that i can give something up is only the Flip side of the misconception that everything here in this world is for me to enjoy, but it's not. It's uh, it's uh, another expression of the idea that everything is here in this world is for me to enjoy. But I can't enjoy it. I'm not enjoying it. Um, so let me give it all up, and I'll be happier in that way. It's another attempt to enjoy self enjoyment, denying this that everything is meant for the service of Krishna. But a a devotee sees everything in the world is meant for serving Krishna, and therefore a devotee can can and should use all the best things of the world for serving Krishna. If we can serve Krishna better by uh, flying from one place to another for preaching, then why should we go by uh, rickshaw or walking? Of course, rickshaw distance and flight distance is. Uh, uh, take a look. Yeah, anyway, why, 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 uh, why, in the name of. Why accept uh, difficulty for the body if that difficulty impedes our service to Krishna? That means we, we haven't actually understood the principle of spiritual life. So it may appear that a pure devotee is. Just another materialist. But then, uh, when his activities are seen in relationship to Krishna, that that may become manifest at, at some point. He's a, a pure devotee. Doesn't make a show of being a great devotee. But he, we we find that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself and the acharyas after him they were reserved in the matter of showing their Krishna consciousness they they didn't show it off in public or try to make a show of being very advanced Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he met Ramananda Rai for the first time on the banks of the Godavari then naturally both of them Uh, were extremely ecstatic and that became manifest in their persons by, by crying and shivering and all the symptoms of pure devotional service. But then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu noted that some materialistic brahmanas were accompanying Ramananda Rai and they were shocked. They couldn't work out what was going on. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he... Uh, deliberately restrained himself from exhibiting those symptoms. And we find also that Srila Prabhupada, uh, he didn't uh, make a show of being a pure devotee or go around trying to convince everyone he's a pure devotee, but he simply got on with the business of serving Krishna, which is actually what pure devotees do. Uh, but sometimes his uh, pure devotion to Krishna would become manifest even without Śrīla Prabhupāda's desire, sometimes in a very uh, striking manner, Śrīla Prabhupāda would go into trance or his voice would falter and he would cry. Or sometimes, for those who had the, the vision to see it, he just his, his uh, constantly talking of Krishna, his anger in becoming, his becoming angry at persons who blasphemed Krishna. These are all symptoms of pure devotional service. So as long as... Uh, he might have been discussing sometimes with his secretaries about where shall we go, shall we go here, or shall we go there, or and what's convenient, and this and that. And it might seem that he was talking in the manner of a tourist, like in the same way that tourists might talk. But then... Uh, we have to see his his activities. What was he doing? He wasn't going here and there for sightseeing. But he was going here and there for delivering. Wherever he went, he delivered the people of the world. So, pure devotional service. This is the the natural propensity of every living being the, that becomes covered that becomes eclipsed by mundane consciousness as I said there is so much to be discussed in this purport the whole Srila uh, Prabhupada his uh, unabashed presentation of they didn't go to the moon which was considered absurd it seemed to those who didn't have full faith in Srila Prabhupada. You might have seen it seemed absurd. There was there was it must have been nineteen sixty eight there's one conversation with Srila Prabhupada which is in the conversations book and there's uh, one reporter, I believe it's in San Francisco, asking Srila Prabhupada about the upcoming moonshot. The men are going to go on the moon. And Prabhupada said, no, they're not. And the reporter said, well, they are. Everyone knows it's it's upcoming. They're going to go to the moon. Prabhupada said, no, they're not. They can't go. And the reporter said, well, what happens if they do go? Won't that be... uh, won't that affect the faith of your disciples? And Prabhupada said, no, they won't go. So it won't affect, they they, they can't go. So it's not, there's no question of them going. So, but what if they do go, actually do, you know, they're all prepared for going. And what if they actually go? And Prabhupada just stuck to his point. They're not going to go because they can't go. And the reporter couldn't get it. And I suppose when the reporter was watching that one small step for man and a great step, one great step for mankind, he was thinking that Swami was... You know, a nice old man, but, you know, just... He got it wrong on this one. And some of Prabhupada's disciples thought like that. Not so many at the time. More nowadays, because they don't have Prabhupada personally there to to uh, yell at them, <laughs> or whatever. Of course, we can't predict how Srila Prabhupada would deal with this uh, s- somewhat widespread lack of faith in him, within his movement on many issues uh, yeah but the, the, he always made this point he was completely unabashed that in, in, the, in the scripture in the shastra it states that the moon is further away in the sun therefore it must be because the shastra is coming from Krishna and the scientists they have one opinion today and another tomorrow And so what do we care for them anyway I don't have time to get into that it's a big subject very sure. big subject the one subject is the uh, the moon further away than the sun. That's one big subject. Another one is the lack of faith in Srila Prabhupada. That's a very big subject and it's very dangerous for our whole movement. But anyway, I'll leave you hanging in the air uh, like Trishanku and uh, finish the class there. And if there are any questions, I can take one or two. Yes. We have a photo finished there, but I don't have a camera, so I saw Archit Prabhu first. so I, I think that's not coming through. I'll just repeat it for the benefit of those who are watching via their computer. Those materialistic people, is it are watching through their computer? Is it materialistic to watch this through a computer? Should they throw away their computer?
1: You mentioned this business of uh, Moon and how the reporter surmised, so nice, or may mm-hmm. have surmised, that so nice, it would shake the painted from his followers if they actually did that. So, yeah. this
0: was actually one problem why he was
1: still here. Some of his followers said, but probably, you know, it's why accepted said that it. The problem is even if they did, what do
0: they accomplish? They brought back some rocks. That's another point, yeah. They brought back some rocks and they looked just like rocks in Arizona. So what do they, <laughs> they actually Rocks do? in Arizona. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder where they came from. Actually, uh, the devotees always gave the example of Arizona, but it appears that the actual moonshot landed in Nevada because that's where the uh, secret base is that no one can go into. Yes, please. Another question about the moon. Interestingly, uh, as you all probably know, there is nowadays widespread doubt among the American public that they actually went to the moon. And widespread doubt that anything the politicians say is true, because it's come to light that many of the things they say are not true.
1: Mara sh in the purports of properly explains that the Raven planet is invisible. Hm. So accepting that they landed
0: on Raphael, when does Raven become visible? Uh well I, I I'm not an an astronomer and I don't know the answer to this and it's just put it on the list of twenty trillion and one of the things that need researching because if we are to establish Vedic knowledge in the world there's a lot of work to do in research in many fields in in, in actually in every field of of knowledge but I can suggest that something which is invisible to the eye from this planet uh, might be visible if they had gone there, it might be visible if they'd actually landed there. You get my point. In other words, uh, yeah. When you, when you when you get right there, you can see it. But at, at the uh, from here, it's uh, if it's all black, that means it's 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 not absorbing the light of the sun, and like the moon does to reflect the uh, the moon is visible. Actually, Srila Prabhupada gave two explanations of why the moon is visible. One is that it has its own light, and another that it reflects the sunlight, which is the modern scientific explanation also. So s- something which is black doesn't reflect anything. That's why people who go out for early morning runs, they... Uh, running for exercise, they uh, on on their they either wear bright clothing or they put some something reflective on their uh, clothing so that motorists who are going by can see it. That's why in a in a hot climate, they, it's good to wear white or bright coloured clothing because that uh, that reflects the light. But if you wear black clothing, it absorbs the heat of the sun. So we find in hot countries people wear bright clothes, and that may be one reason for that. It's just good for reflecting the sunlight. I, I'm postulating that, that's all. I'm giving a, a possible explanation. I'm not a scientist of any sort. So I, but I can simply suggest that there, there, there should be some explanation. That's all. When Rahu goes in front of it, when, so
1: when, when uh, supposedly, well, we understand from the bottom
0: that the moon is invisible, right? No, no, not, the moon is not invisible. Rahu. Rahu is invisible. Be, uh, is invisible.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Then, uh, the astronaut, whoever, is at a certain point, it becomes visible, and it presently becomes invisible.
0: All right. Well, Brigopati Prabhu is volunteering to answer this. Save me. That That's not really the point that Naikama Prabhu is making. He's, talking, he's about, talking about sensual about sensual perception. Well, yeah, yeah. take it from that perspective, that you're allowed to you're, you're maybe the inhabitants of Rahu, let there, let people come there, if there are inhabitants. I don't know, and I don't know if anyone knows, but uh, like I say, there Many, many things to be researched. and uh, Many, many points to be researched. Even in this verse, sattvaika... What is it? I can't see it. Sattvaika-nishtha. Prabhupada translates this satva ekanishtha as being in Krishna consciousness. It doesn't directly state that at all, but that can be understood from the statement... Here in the fourth canto of Lord Shiva, that sattvaṁ viṣuddhaṁ that to be in pure sattva means to be in Krishna consciousness. So someone might criticize that, well, it's just Prabhupāda's... He's just... It doesn't say in Krishna consciousness, it says sattvaika-nishtha. But that's, uh, that is extrapolated from sattva, sattvaika-nishtha Means in Krishna consciousness, and that that can be understood from other statements in the Bhagavatam. So, like that. Yeah. Please pass over the, the mic for a comment.
1: That's true, mean, yeah. The intelligent person but they, the moon is shaken, and the present person will happen if you go there there's the whole world. So, in the same way, it's like you said, if
0: the ground is not reflecting, then it it's not apparent to so us, it's invisible. Thank you. Amiya Vilas Swami Maharaj will make what we can have as the last comment unless it's a question what is the real form of research? well those, those. Mm? sorry?
1: what is
0: the real term of research? real
1: term of
0: research I don't understand the question it needs to be researched Yeah. what is
1: the meaning of research?
0: Research means you don't know, and you try to find out the means by which you can know.: Yeah, that's the answer. What is the answer. That's the answer. Research means that that method by which things which are not known uh, become known. Well, uh, often he says that there's no need to research because everything's in Shastra. We can simply accept that Krishna is supreme. But uh, on that platform there's no need to research to, to find out what is the fact. But how it's a fact, that we made to establish that for those who don't have that faith and to understand it better, that may require researching. And Śrīla Prabhupāda wanted, for instance, the uh, B.I., under Institute to undertake uh, philosophical research and scientific research to demonstrate these points in one conversation, he said that one of the duties when he was talking about Varnashram, he said one of the duties of brahmanas is research. So he didn't reject research per se, but the uh, attitude of researchers that we can only find out everything by research, that is mental speculation. What should I, Prabhupada differentiated in one letter between mental speculation in which one, which one thinks that one has to find out the truth by one's own method and philosophical speculation in which uh, one accepts the truth of Shastra but applies one's intelligence to try to understand how it is true. And there's another point here from Shvabash Prabhu. He's got his hand very... Strongly up there.
1: <laughs> I just thought I'd throw in a comment on this issue because uh, there was a lecture about said that uh, Darwin has actually killed the soul in society. So basically, what that means is that everyone's on the body platform of life and they can't think any further than this. So, when you talk about these kind of issues, uh, you know, he has killed eternality, uh, he's killed the idea of uh, a, a soul or even you know, for that matter, God. And everything is simply on the on the body of the platform of life. They can't think any higher than that. So matter means everything to them. So on these issues that we're discussing, it, it appears it's higher than matter. Uh, it, 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 these issues take uh, you know higher intelligence. If you're going to discuss about the moon, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, 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 a, you know, it's a heavenly planet. It has nothing to do with this, you know. Well, it does, but it's higher than mystery.
0: It's it's more subtle energy. It's uh, yes. it's not formed of earth, water, fire, and air, it would seem. It would, it's an ethereal planet.
1: And they were talking about the moon god, who's a demigod, whose yeah. who's powers are uh, way surpassing
0: any human understanding. Yeah. I don't even of who was actually, you know, he was
1: also a demon, but at the same time, he was a very uh, you know, powerful, mystical demon. So it appears to me be that uh, because of the Darwinism theory, it's very difficult to
0: even conceptualize these things. things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: killed the soul. Yeah. And he's made everyone think that you're just into a body, do whatever you life, and this is your last life, and you came from a monkey. You didn't come from anything, you know, like God. So, uh, you know, th- this is one thing I think is very important. You made that. Yeah, that's why the needs to be there, because uh, they need to kick on the space, as Bob said himself. The kick kick on the face of Darwin is because he has killed soul. and and it's important for us to uh, speak about these matters, although they're inconceivable
0: to most of us. Yeah, Uh, that's natural. Yeah, I, I can't explain to to any scientist or how the moon is further away than the sun, but I accept that because. Prabhupada said it and Shastra said it. But I understand also that uh, why obviously Prabhupada wanted these matters researched so they could be presented for the elucidation of those uh, scientists who are sincere enough to accept it and to kick on the face of those who don't. And, oh, one more point. Oh, lots of points. Well, I'll leave it up to you, Shravash Prabhu. You can cut out whenever you like. It's up to well I don't know if my lifetime is that long (laughs) (laughs) yes I want to start a Shastrik research institute that is my plan please give your blessings
1: yeah
0: yeah well that's these uh these three prastanas they are for those who accept the Vedic culture for those who accept the Vedas as authoritative for those who don't we have to adopt some other Means of convincing them, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did with the Buddhists, as Prabhupada did with everyone in the Western world who didn't accept the shastra. He preached Krishna consciousness and presented the same philosophy, but in giving examples and in terms that they could accept. So this, uh, and even for even if we accept these uh, three prasthans much of that knowledge is is uh, lost nowadays so or even within that just like even with, within that arena there's also just, just like we find that uh, certain followers of or, of Madhvacharya are very aggressive against our sampradaya and say you're not part of you're not part of uh, our sampradaya that has to be established there are the uh, so-called Babaji's of Radha, Kunda and Navadvip who say we don't have a proper s- s- sampradaya or parampara so these issues also have to be taken up there's a lot of work to do it's alright for us to say we be- we accept Krishna in Bhagavad Gita but preaching means that understanding that not everyone will accept that and bring them to the to the point convincing them by their intelligence that that is true as Krishna did with Arjuna. He's Arjuna had various doubts and Krishna satisfied him with his intelligence. By giving intelligent replies, Krishna could have just told Arjuna, Look, I'm God, just do what I say. But he didn't do that. Arjuna would have been ready to accept, but Krishna didn't do that. He convinced him philosophically. And Srila Prabhupada also took the time and trouble to convince people philosophically. Yeah, they uh, they established that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. So one thing, uh, uh, on in on various points in shastra, especially Jiva Goswami established shastrically. But then uh, that's uh, how many of us know all those arguments. So one thing to do would be to research Jiva Goswami. But then the, the the nature of mayas that she offers unlimited. Uh, permutations and combinations of atheistic arguments, which have to be dealt with in context. If we, if someone comes up and says that, well, actually, life comes from matter, and you and you, and we say, well, Jiva Goswami says this. Uh, what do they care? What Jiva Goswami? They, they don't. We have to present it in.